You're about to listen to a message from the LifePoint Church, a warm and friendly home for the young at heart. What an awesome time already. I feel like we can actually just close the service, guys, right? The Spirit of the Lord is here. His presence is so tangible. You can almost touch it. Almost touch it. Multimedia, these lights. Maybe I'm the one that needs to relocate because it's right in my eyes. Ah, thank you, Holy Spirit. Um, I hope you all enjoyed your day off. How many people went to work today? Okay, so I'm really struggling to see. How many people went to work today? Oh, a few people. Okay, but I hope you got some rest at some point anyway. Um, my assignment here tonight is very simple and I will be out of your faces in no time but before I go into the word I just want to remind us something very quickly uh, from 2 Timothy Second Timothy chapter 1 verse 12. Sorry, 2 Peter. I apologize, 2 Peter. Um, so Peter was here just admonishing the people that he was writing to that. He says, for this reason from verse 12, I will not be negligent to remind you always of these things, though you know and are established in the present truth. Yes, I think it is right, so long as I am in this tent, to stir you up by reminding you. So I bring you God's word tonight just as a reminder of what, you're, what you already know and what you're familiar with possibly, that you will be established and you know, deeply grounded in the truth that God is making available, what he would have us know tonight. Let us pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you. We thank you because we know that you are here. We thank you because we know that you came ready. We thank you for you have prepared our hearts to receive of you tonight, to be fed and nourished in your presence and in the company of other believers. So, Spirit of the living God, we invite you once again to have your way. Teach us the truth of the Father and reveal his love to us, that we would live refreshed, re-energized, strengthened, and able to walk in a way and manner that pleases you, having received all that you have given to us, all that we require for life and for godly living. In Jesus' name we pray and agree. Amen. Amen. Okay. Um, so, we know that we live in Lagos, yeah? There's nobody here who does not live in Lagos, I'm assuming. We all live in Lagos. Lagos is busy. Lagos has a lot of its issues. I was still having a conversation with yes with someone yesterday who was telling me, oh, she has to um, 
Is it leave the house at 4 a.m. or get up at 4 a.m. to leave the house? You know, and that's how she does Monday to Fridays. It's such a busy, busy, busy life we live. Um, and the tendency for us to be overwhelmed, sometimes even discouraged, because you leave so early, you get in traffic, you get to work, your body, boss is giving you a hard time, you know, and sometimes things are not just adding up. Financially, relationship is going, you know, hit the rocks, today you are fighting, you, you, you came out very, you, you stepped out of the house very excited, very charged up, and before you even get to work, the demons that are trying to steal your joy pressing different buttons, you know. And that is almost the experience every day. You have to fight to keep your joy. You fight to stay, you know, connected to God at work, in, at your business, whatever it is you're doing at school. And tonight, the Lord just wants to remind us where he would have us be. He wants to remind us our position in him. And so I've just tagged this for the benefit of having a title for it, something <laughs> that God would have us know tonight. I've called it the rest of God, the rest of God. So if you want to take notes, yeah, that's the title. I want to encourage everyone uh, to please stay present. If there's anything I've been learning lately, it's just taking advantage of any opportunity to engage with God, whether corporately or even privately. So now is not a good time to be walking about. Now is not a good time to um, just be distracted in the name of serving. So, guys, please, let's be here and let's just do this very quickly. My anchor scripture tonight is from Hebrews chapter 4. Book of Hebrews chapter 4 from verse 1. It's a long read. Um, but I would be going in and out of it. So he says, therefore, since a promise remains of entering his rest, that's God's rest. Before then, in chapter 3, it had spoken of, uh, the writer of Hebrews had explained how the people of God, the children of Israel, had missed God's rest. You know, then he further expounds on this in chapter 4 and says, for indeed, okay, therefore, since the promise remains of entering his rest, let us Fear, lest any of you seem to have come short of it. For indeed, the gospel was preached to us as to them. But the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. For we who have believed do enter into that rest, as he has said. So I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest, referring to the children of Israel although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. Verse 3, we who have believed do enter into that rest. And it's interesting here that God would then refer to that rest as his rest. The tendency a lot of times for us to think when we, when we contemplate or just consider the rest of God, that it's essentially just you know, a place of not doing anything. Sometimes, in fact, if you go further down in that scripture, that's Hebrews 4 there, there's um, a part of it that refers to the Sabbath, you know, a state of not doing, 
a state of being, but not necessarily doing. But just as I meditated on scriptures and sought to understand what the rest of God is, because I have been one person who has, um, so God is teaching me how to rest, essentially. That's the summary. My mentors are my case when it comes to resting. So that's in terms of body, bodily rest, physical rest. And I remember I had to go off um, last week, compose really, uh, just shut down for a couple of days. And I remember stepping out of where I had been, hiding myself. I just had an amazing time just, just resting and refreshing with the Holy Ghost. And as I stepped out of that building and I received a call, I turned on my phone, I received a call. I saw a text message that my boss had sent me at 11.45 you know, almost midnight, received another phone call. Before I knew it, I almost got into panic attack, like panic mood, like, but I ran away from all of this, you know, and I was, for, for like a few seconds, I struggled, I had to recalibrate and just remind myself, and the Holy Spirit spoke to me, relax. You have entered into the rest of God. It's not about the things that are going on on the outside. You have capacity to handle everything that comes your way. So just rest. Because that's what you have been You have been resting. You see, the rest of God is the place where we receive instructions. It's the place where we are reminded whose we are and whom we serve, whom we belong to. And so it is a place where believers need to constantly and consistently stay in. Because Jesus had reminded us, in the world you would have trials. In the world, tribulations will come. In the world, there will be hustle and bustle. In the world, there will be traffic. In the world, your bosses might sometimes be used of the devil. Not in a bad way. Because I know, hope you know that spirits need to find containers to, to function. Sometimes your organ may be the willing vessel. So, these things will happen. In the world, your husband, not out of a deliberate, he did not mean to, can just be mean. Because it is dealing with his own issues. In the world, your babe will say the wrong things and press a wrong button. In the world, you will have temptations that you need to deal with and overcome. In the world, you would have challenges, financial challenges, health challenges. All of these things will come. But be of good cheer because Jesus has overcome on your behalf. And so when we are in a place of rest in God, it is a place where we are reassured and consistently reminded that we have overcome. Now, the tendency to look for replacements is very high. We sometimes seek rest in the things that are, you know, tangible things we can see, touch, feel. We sometimes figure out rest in, the, in physical things. Physical places, those are very good. Evacation, absolutely, because we do need to, you know, take our time and just refresh. You go to places where you are, in, you know, you are inspired to create, uh, your, your, your creative juices start flowing when you travel, 
when you go to a resort, you know, when you just take time away and separate yourself from your everyday activities, those things are fantastic. But you see, after you have done all that re uh, refreshing and all of that stuff, and you come back into the grind, your day-to-day -day activities, and you have not entered into God's rest, you find yourself very quickly getting back into that place of discouragement, that place of despair, that place of, of anger, sometimes an irritation with, against the world. You find yourself very quickly losing your peace. You find yourself very quickly very antsy and irritable. Now, you can't operate effectively in the rest of God without faith. That's the first point that I want to um, lay. Let's go to Mark chapter 11 from verse 20, 20 to 24. Mark 11. So this was Jesus and his disciples. Before now, Jesus had caused a fig tree. So from verse 20, it says, Now in the morning as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. And Peter, remembering, said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you cursed has withered away. So Jesus answered and said to them, Have faith in God. For assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, Be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done. He will have whatever he says. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you have received them and you will have them. And so Jesus here was just telling his disciples a basic, very vital way of operating in life and essentially operating in the realm of the spirit which is what we say. Now, remember that scripture I read in Hebrews there that they had talked about um, the children of Israel not entering into rest because of disobedience. When you stay in the place of rest, when you stay in God's presence, essentially, because the rest of when you, to, to access the rest of God, you have, to have, you have to be in God. If you want to get something from me, you have to come to me. So to access God's rest, you have to be in him. Now, the children of Israel did not enter into rest because of disobedience. The things which God had said, which he had promised, which he had instructed, they did not obey, essentially. Jesus is saying here, look, words are the weapon, or words, words, is or are, geez. Words are the weapon yeah, weapon, that's not plural, yeah, whatever. Words are the weapon that you would use in framing your world, in shaping your world. You will decree a thing and it will be established because you operate from a place of knowledge. Remember what I had said earlier, knowing whose you, be, whose you are and who you belong to. So Jesus was saying, look, you will say to this mountain, mountain, once you have faith in God, you will say to this mountain, be removed from here and be cast into the sea. And it will happen just as you have said it. Jesus didn't say you will pray to the mountain. He didn't say you will dance around the mountain. 
He didn't say you will kneel and appeal to the mountain. He said you would say. We're going to get into that a bit. Because a lot of times we lose our peace because of the things that we pronounce. I hope you know that the world in which we operate is very spiritual. How many people know that? That we live in a spirit realm. Yeah, we, I mean, we live in the physical. But it is the affairs of this world that are ruled in the spirit. They are controlled in the spirit. And so it is the person who is constantly speaking. And not just speaking anything or any rubbish. The one who is constantly speaking life that will go far. It's a spiritual principle. So your business is to see that you believe the things that you have said, and then you will receive these things. Remember, we're talking about entering into the rest of God. We are a lot of times in a place of unrest because of the things that we want, the things that we desire, the things that are not adding up, things that are not falling into place. I don't have a job. Uh, I'm struggling financially to pay bills. I, I'm, I'm a certain age. I should have been married. There's no babe, no boo, no babe. You know, uh, I've been married for a bit. I don't have kids. We are constantly desiring stuff. I don't know what my purpose is. I'm struggling to make ends meet. Just different things. I'm struggling with my health. There's a whole myriad of things that we are dealing with. As long as we are in the flesh and we are on the face of this earth. So, Jesus is saying, you say what you want in agreement with the Holy Spirit. Out from a place of faith in God, who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you can ask, all that you can imagine. And so you make declarations, believing that you have received because your own responsibility is to believe that you receive. And then you will have it. It is God's responsibility to ensure you have it. Sometimes we focus on trying to help God achieve his own part of things, which is the having. We expend energy in trying to create alternative solutions and approaches and having plans B, C, D, E, F. Meanwhile, God has said, trust. He has said, rest, rely on me, wait on me. The things that you want I will make happen in my own time. But we expend energy worrying. Worrying so much about these things. Meanwhile, all we really need to do is to operate from a place of rest in him. An assurance that he is more than faithful to do what he has promised. So, our responsibility, like I said, is to believe. And when we believe, a way of acting out our belief, a way of showing that we believe, a way of, you know, putting action to our faith is that we declare. Which is why Jesus said, if whatsoever you say, believe that you have received and you will have. So what are you saying? What are you saying over your situation? We have been discussing spiritual maturity in the last six weeks or so. This is a very vital principle for those who are aspiring to more in God. You cannot live carelessly, neither can you talk carelessly. 
I've realized over time that sometimes we say stuff and we act foolishly. Let me give an example. Jesus has said, have faith in God. I believe that, um, let me use an example concerning health or regarding health. So I've been having maybe a, a health challenge and I'm required to be on medication, you know, maybe, I don't know, every day. And then I say, oh, my Bible says, I believe whatsoever that I say. I've received it and I have it. And so I will not use my medication anymore. And so I put it aside. And my health does not improve. So out of shame to myself, I go back and I pick up the medication and then I say, oh no, this faith that they are talking about does not work. Absolutely not. The first thing that I need us to understand is that you cannot act in faith if you do not have an instruction. So, have you been instructed to stop using your medication, for example? Has God said to you? And God will speak to you individually. Sometimes he will send people to you. I love um, Ores God experience on Sunday where he told us that he went for a program, you know, and there was a, he was required to take a prophetic action. There was a word that gave, and he keyed into the word. He felt led to do it. He did it, and bam, he was healed. Sometimes we act in ignorance because we are unsure. We don't seek God's face for instructions. We don't seek him for direction. We say, oh, I can have whatsoever that I believe. And so we, start to, we call one particular company that we like and we start to make declarations. What is God saying about your matter? Sometimes we hear people give testimonies and then we just say, oh, that's how the person did it. Eh. Okay, so the person went, carried their dress, soaked it in anointing oil for five days. After the fifth day, carried the dress, wore it, went out and met her husband and got married. Then you go and carry and buy a keg of anointing oil and soak your dress. You say, she, she did five days, me, I'll do ten days so that my own can be faster. Did God say? Did God say? Please just follow me. You know what God's word says. You take that word. You believe it with all of your heart. You trust in that word. Because you know that it is true. So when the word has said healing is the children's bread... We know, we take it, we own it, we meditate on it, we internalize that word till the word begins to produce life out of us. That is what we do with God's word. We take the word, we sit with it. So you are struggling with a health challenge. You are struggling with finances. You are desiring something. Maybe the next level in your life. Maybe marriage. Maybe whatever. Go to the word. Search out the scriptures concerning your own situation. And sit with it. 
craft declarations from the word of God. Because the Bible says the word of God is living and it is powerful. It is alive and it is full of tremendous power. But Christians function from a place of unrest because we don't know what the word says. Until you sit with the word, you chew the word. The word is coming out of you, every part of you. You are oozing God's word over your situation. And I'm not even just talking of religious activities that we do. All the it is well and no. It is that you believe the word. When Satan comes to you with thoughts concerning your situation, you respond with the word. It is written concerning me just like Jesus did. That is how we function from a place of rest. That is how we stay in the rest of God. Because you see, as you keep declaring the word of God, it must work for you. It will produce fruits for you because it is living. It is alive. I read a story of um, a story shared by uh, Reverend Kenneth Egin, and he was talking about um, some friends of his pastors also. He spoke about two different pastors. So one was a teacher of the, uh, he was an evangelist essentially, a soul winner. He would give altar calls, thousands will be saved and all. But he had a health challenge. And so he took ill, severely ill at some point, and they went to visit him. So pastors, like committee of pastors, went to visit him. And so they were talking with him and praying with him and just reminding him, you know, of what the word says concerning life and health. And so he said that the, this particular man responded, say, oh, that he's lived a very good life. And so if God desires to take him now, he's fine with it. Um, however, he would trust God and act in faith. And so the doctors had told him, as at that particular point, that he couldn't stress out because if he did, he would die. You know, that it wasn't guaranteed he was going to live long. So he said, yeah, so God says, I have life. I, I believe that I have life. And so he got up and he hadn't gone how many steps. He collapsed and that was the end. He died. Now, two things that um, Reverend Higgin pointed out. He said, one, this guy obviously went to heaven, that there was no gainsaying. I mean, but he could have lived longer. He acted foolishly, not because God didn't have the power to save him, but because the information that he was acting on had not been... The, the, the phrase I want to use is a phrase that I, I saw in my children's... Uh, one of their... Um, what you might call this thing, cartoons. Um, what's this piggy one? Who are the parents here? PFA, help me. What's the pig? Peppa Pig, thank you. So <laughs> Daddy Pig was going to go for a competition, a module, a, a puddle jumping competition. And so he, he, he went and told, his daughter asked him, are you going to train? He said, no. Are you going to exercise? He said, no. So what are you going to do? I'm going to sleep because I must become one with the puddle. So, until you become one with the word of God. This man took the word, literally, but there was no heart connection. That's where I'm going, guys. There was no, act, um, no heart faith, essentially. 
You see, there's a difference between mental ascent and a heart filled with faith. And unfortunately, I've observed that a lot of us function from a place of mental ascent. We mentally ascent to things. We mentally ascent to Christian fundamentals. We mentally, we know that Jesus is Lord. It's okay, we know. But until we get to that place where we believe, and that belief begins to produce life, that is the place, that is where we can operate from a place of faith. So this man, all the while that he had been sick, just, he did not dwell too much on it. So when he, it was almost as though in response to what his friends were saying, was why he decided to act. But there was no, he by himself did not believe. He did, exactly, he didn't, he did not have, you know, an encounter with that word that he took and wanted to run with. In fact, his exact declaration was, I will trust God or die. And Reverend said he thought he should have been, I will trust God and live. I will trust God and live. So, the second, um, the second story he mentioned was of a lady, also a pastor's wife. She, they, they went out, I don't know, some convention, but afterwards he hung out with them. And she's young, about 28, but they observed that her glasses were like super thick. You know, the ones they would say like Coke both two kind of lens. That was what she had on. And her eyes were struggling to focus. So from time to time, they could see her eyes actually turn, cross eye and just turn. And so they asked her about it. No, she was even the one who brought it up. And she was saying to um, Reverend Egan and his wife that um, I'm, I've been praying about my eyesight because it's actually a big problem. So um, on her driver's license, she had been restricted. And they had marked her essentially to say if she ever ran into anything, they were gonna, she wasn't going to drive anymore. She was going to get into difficulty and stuff. And so she was saying to Reverend Egan that, oh, that just hearing you speak about the healing power of God right now, I'm very convinced that I will stop wearing my glasses. I'm going to act in faith. And he said to her, is that what God is saying to you? So she said to him, well, I need to act out my faith. And he said, that is not how you act out your faith. You don't go and kill somebody on the road because you want to prove that God is faithful. What you do is you take the scriptures and you begin to declare. So whether you're using medication, whether you're putting, you're putting on your glasses, you're declaring that you are healed. You are declaring that you believe and you receive the healing power of God concerning your eyesight. You are going to work, you are driving, you are making the same declarations till it becomes a part of you. You keep declaring it. You keep declaring it. You keep saying it. And that's what Jesus was saying. He said they saw her six months after without glasses. And he asked her, what happened? And she said, I simply did what Jesus said. That I believe and I receive whatever I say. So I kept saying it. I kept saying it. Morning, afternoon, night. I kept declaring it. Till she was certified free without the glasses. So she had to go do a driving test again. They asked for doctor's report and all of that stuff. So what are you dealing with that you are not speaking over? I want to remind you tonight that you know 
when you are silent, you are actually saying something. And what it is that you are saying is you have given permission to the situation to continue to operate when you are silent. So it's not enough to say, oh, I'm not saying negative things. I am not saying I am poor, I am broke. I will not marry, I will die young. At least I'm not saying it. But you are not addressing the situation either. You will believe and you will say to this mountain, be removed from here and be cast into the sea. And whatsoever you say, you will have. Now, in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12 there, just while preparing for this, I was reminded of the scripture that I know in whom I have believed. And I am persuaded that he's able, fill in the, uh, the, the blank. I know in whom I have believed. You see, I have spoken about the words that we declare. Now I'm speaking about the person in whom we believe. If we say we believe in Jesus, if we say we are seated with Christ in heavenly places, if we say, you know, that we are heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, then it's okay to say that certain things should not be permitted to happen to us, right? Anybody in agreement? Absolutely. Some things should not happen. Why? Because we know in whom we have believed. We know that all power in heaven and earth has been given to him. We know that he has all of the authority that is required to make changes in our lives and in our situation. In fact, I got to a point when I was preparing for this. I was like, Holy Spirit, you know what? I'm not sure I can go this far. And it was that the Holy Spirit reminded me of the scripture, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things have passed away. And all things have become new. I'm going to just leave that scripture there and allow the Holy Spirit brood upon your hearts and grant you understanding. Because the way, the understanding I received from it, I wish I had known it since since if any man be in Christ if any man belongs to Christ if any man is in Christ he's a new creature you see when it kind of like when Nicodemus was asking Jesus you know so how do you become born again he has been refathered it's a rebirth you know while it is that when we get born again it's our spirit that get born again it's not the, nothing happens on the physical but it was almost as though God was challenging me to say, look, there is so much power available that I want to dispense to my children, that I want them to begin to operate in. But they would rather sit in a place of, of comfort and I, I don't understand this thing, so I don't want to touch, I don't want to touch them. I just, just sit in that place of, of being okay and being normal. This is, it's not so bad. I can manage it. And life is passing you by. 
I mean, eventually, the mercy of God prevails over your situation and things change. But when you then find out that, ah, I should have moved from this level way back just because I didn't act, just because I did not use my authority that I have as a child of God, you can be angry. And so, we know whom we have believed and we are persuaded that he is able to, that scripture says, keep what that which has been committed into his hands. But you see, we are persuaded that he is able to fix us. We are persuaded, we know in whom we have believed and we are persuaded that he is able to transform our lives. We are persuaded that this addiction can be broken because we know in whom we have believed. I remember one of my pastors several years ago saying to us that, I mean, he got born again and he was very excited about the new life, but he was still smoking. I know you people don't dwell on that part too much. Don't be trying to figure out, you know, just focus. Whether smoking is wrong, is it is in the Bible, Mm-mm. focus. And so he was, he wanted to do away with the habits, but it was such a struggle for him because every time he found himself always just going to the cigarettes, always by, you know, patronizing the malam. And so he was so frustrated and wondering, this new life, why is it not working? I thought if any man be in Christ, all things should go. All things should become new. And here he was. He, he understood the concept of renewing his mind with the word. He had begun to feed on the word. He said unto one day, the Holy Spirit said to him, you have not asked. You have not fixed this matter. You know, you are, you are not saying anything about it. And so he said every time, while he found himself drawn to the box of cigarettes, as he's lighting it, he's declaring that he's stopping. He's declaring that he's stopping. He said when he stopped, eventually he did not know. He was not mindful. As in he didn't pay attention. So it wasn't as though he was tracking to say, oh, 100 days. Because a lot of times we try to want to wheel things. And we forget that the, the, there is power in the Holy Ghost to, to help us. The power of the Holy Ghost is available to help us. That is the demonstration of the power of God when, he, when Paul was speaking. You know, and it refers to the demonstration of the spirit and of power. It is that that power in the new life that we have received will, you know, produce life out of us. And so for some people, they get born again and instantly, the thought of fornication just dies. It's, it becomes repulsive to them. God deals with us differently. Some of us under, have to undergo a process. And in that process, life is being produced for other aspects of our lives. Because in that process, when your own issue did not die instantly and you have to stay in God and you are waiting it out with him and you are declaring and you are saying, you build strength, you build character, you learn. You learn the import of staying and waiting and just trusting God, you know, to to solve whatever it is that you you need him to, to fix. And so in Proverbs chapter 3, from verse 5 to 7, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. It didn't say trust in the Lord with all your understanding because you see, we're a very cerebral generation. We like to want to pass spiritual things and spiritual principles through the test of our intellect and our, our knowledge, sense knowledge. So sometimes it won't make sense, but it is God. And you see, when the Bible says that the foolishness of God is wiser than the wisdom of men, 
I hope nobody reads that scripture and thinks God is foolish. I hope not. Because essentially what he's saying is where the wisdom of God or wisdom of man terminates is where the wisdom of God is just beginning. That is the God that we serve. And so, when we try to analyze things with our human logic, there are some things that still happen to me this week. I don't know how, but money was in my account. Now, I did not steal it. I mean, there was a transaction I, my husband and I, we had done. I had, and if you know me, when it comes to money, I like to, to the last zero, it must balance. I'm very finicky. And so I kept, I, went, I kept going back to my account and going back to my account and trying to understand. I had done the books with my husband and I just left it. The Holy Spirit said, you are sowing seeds. Why are you overthinking this? As in, why are you trying to understand how, so how did this extra money come? Where did it come from? I don't know. And I have stopped thinking about it. See, God will blow your mind. He will, because that's what he wants to. He's the maker of heaven and earth. He owns the universe. It's like we forget who he is sometimes. And that's my job here. Remember the scripture I read to you in 2 Peter chapter. Just to remind you that the truth that he has established you in, you will live in it. You will produce fruits, the fruits of those truths, of that truth. Just something on meditating on the word of God. Because you see, to, to, to function from a place of rest, you have to fill yourself with the word. Our hearts take courage as we read the word. Our assurance becomes deeper as we meditate on God's word. And this assurance in our spirit is independent of what our physical senses tell us. That was why Naaman struggled when he, um, the prophet, I don't know whether it was Elijah now or Elisha, but when the prophet gave him the instruction to go and, you know, bathe in the pool, and he thought, public words in but why you see sometimes just as pastor godman had told us when we're going to start this year that we need to take prophetic action we would have instructions that are weird that are you know you don't understand it completely it doesn't mean god is not in it as long as you are certain in your heart that this is what god is leading and inspiring you to do by all means obey you see, because the children of Israel did not enter into rest because of disobedience. You don't want to be that one person who's struggling and just going around in circles. Why? Because the instructions of God, the principles, the, the, the fundamental Christian principles don't make sense. Why do I have to fast? Why should I pray? Why must I spend my time? I have so much to read. I'm writing professional exams. I'm too busy. My life is very busy. I don't have enough time for God. Eh, you make time for what is important to you, Ni. If God is important to you, if that rest, operating from that place of rest, is important to you, you will make out time for it. Here I spoke on Sunday about um, service being, you know, one of the ways that we, 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 we or one of the ways in which we worship God and also one of the, uh, let me call it the spiritual principle for maturity. And I was having a conversation with someone after service and 
we're talking and just talking generally about how that it is sometimes we struggle as Christians to study God's word, to, to just be consistent in our fellowshipping with him. And she pointed out something very true to me. She said, look, it's a lot of times we young people, we, subs we substitute personal time with God, with service. So you come, you serve in church or you do good arts, you know, you give to the poor, you do run an orphanage or whatever, you, you know, you just do stuff. You do stuff in the name of God. You do stuff for God because it is easier to serve than it is to stay in the secret place. And I said something to her in response. I said, yes, while it is that it may appear easier, I said, you see, God is looking, just as Jesus said. He's looking for a crop of worshippers who will worship in spirit and in truth. He's looking for a crop of worshippers who will serve, because service is an act of worship, in spirit and in truth. That is, people who will wait in him, stay in the secret place to receive instructions from him concerning their service. Imagine how it would be if the multimedia guys, for example, God had, you know, sort of planned the service with them, giving them a blueprint of what was going to happen. They knew who was going to serve. They knew who was, you know, who would be doing what part time. Or God had revealed to them ahead of the service that, look, there may be a potential spark somewhere. And they come into church and they fix it and there is no service disruption. Do you understand what I'm saying? We need to begin to desire where we have our ears to God's lips. Just hungry and wanting him to speak to us. To unravel scripts to us about our nation, about our family, about our organizations, our businesses. Some people need to begin to hear from now concerning their husbands that they have not met and their children that they have not had. It is very possible. Because the Bible says that the secrets of the Lord are with those who fear him. Those who will stay in that place, in that secret place, desiring to be fed, to be nourished by him. Yes, we live a very busy life or we live busy lives and we live in a very busy city. But that should not deprive us of our place in God, that place of rest. Lastly, words must be spoken to bring about the results that you have asked God for. So you get the mind of God concerning your matter by searching out the scriptures. What has God said concerning my new job? What has God said concerning, you know, my marriage? What, has God, what is God saying to me? Because what am I supposed to be doing now? You get his mind, you get his thoughts. And you begin to offer these things back to him. You begin to say them, you begin to declare them from a place of faith. In fact, at some point in time, I don't know how many of you it happens to, you actually get a nudging from the Holy Spirit to stop praying about a particular matter and start just offering thanksgiving. Just sealing it with thanksgiving. Because sometimes when we go back to God with the matter, it's almost as though we don't believe that he is willing and he is able to do. 
and his ability is not in question guys never he's able to do exceedingly abundantly neither is his willingness he wants to he wants to bless us he wants us to live in great health he wants us to prosper as our souls prosper he wants us to have life and to have it more abundantly he wants us to be lender to nations and borrowers from none he wants to flow he wants his love to flow through us and that was what Jesus was saying to his disciples when Peter was surprised that the fig tree had shriveled up you see the fig tree was alive it was living however it was not producing you don't want to be that person who's alive and just getting by and so Jesus would look at the fig tree and curse it because it was just occupying space nothing was on it so Jesus would say in um, I think it's Matthew now Matthew chapter 6 from verse um, 23 or 30, 31, the scripture about um, Sikifa's kingdom, yeah. It says, take no thought for your life. Saying, what will you eat? What will you drink? What will you wear? Who will you marry? I like how P.I. said it some years back. He said, who will you marry? Whose baby will you carry? Because that's what we do a lot of times. Meanwhile, God is trying to find out he will change a constituency with you. How he would, how light will shine in a community through you. And so Jesus says, take no thought for these things because these are the things that the Gentiles seek after. But you seek first the kingdom. When you seek the kingdom, you operate from a place of rest. Because you are not worrying about what you will eat, what will you drink. I have seen God come through time and time and time and time again. When you stay with him, he will show up for you. He will send people to you. He sent ravens to feed Elijah. <laughs> what is your matter? What is your matter? What are you dancing around with that you are allowing your heart to, you are having heart palpitations over? Enter into rest. Enter into God's rest. Function from that place where you are assured of whose you are and whom you serve. So he, Jesus says, take no thought. However, when I read that scripture, I got another understanding that the things that I should take thought for, I should begin to declare them. So if I'm taking no thoughts for my life by saying what will I eat, what will I drink, what, who, what will I wear, but I can take thought for my life and begin to say that I have believed, oh sorry, I believe and I have received the things that God has apportioned to me. I can begin to make it, it was almost a function of, I mean, from that scripture, you can almost deduce that it was a function of, look, you are expending energy saying the wrong things. You are expending energy worrying over the wrong things. I can begin to ask God. If I won't ask him for what I will eat, what I will drink. Like, okay, where, where, Father, where is the kingdom? You know, I desire to be a part of what it is you are doing. 
People of God, that is all that I have come to remind you tonight. That the rest of God is available for you. There is no, there is, it's, it's not for a select few. It's not for pastors only. It's not for those who have been born again for 10 years and longer. Absolutely not. It's for those who are ready to believe the word of God. Those who are ready to obey the word of God. Those who will act in faith. Those who will trust God. Completely. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. That sometimes we will put aside our sense knowledge. And all the plenty books and our intellectual thing, you know. We just lay it aside and let God be true in our matter. And let's, let's just sit with God and let him teach us. So that we stop running around in circles. That is where he wants us to come to. A place where we believe in him completely. We believe in the one that has promised. We believe and we judge him faithful. And we allow ourselves, you know, be used be used by him because that's what the father wants he wants to walk through you he wants to walk through me there's so much he wants to do he's not going to come down here on earth and do it that's why he, he has us but when we are so consumed with the things that every other person is chasing after by 30 I want to have 5 million dollars in my account don't worry I made those kind of uh, goals too I made them by, by age 30. I want to, and as my, I remember I was saying, saying to someone who asked me, when you turned 30, how did you feel? I said, I was, I was depressed. I was sad. Because when I was 25, 30 looked so far. It looked really far. And alas, how did I get here? And I looked at myself, ha, I'm still a senior officer. Jesus, when do I want to, as in, when will I become chief risk officer? I had big dreams. I still do. However, very different dreams. Hallelujah. So guys, um, let's just take this declaration very quickly and then we'll pray. I believe the word of God. I meditate on the word. I obey the word. I speak the word. I act on the word of God. I walk in love. I live in faith. The word is working for me. The, work, the word is producing results in my life. Can we begin to pray? Just open your mouth and begin to pray. And just talk to Thank you for listening to a message from the LifePoint Church. To download more free messages, please visit www.soundcloud.com forward slash LifePointNG.